welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Dave Gurney. I'm here, as always, with Joe Hilliard. And Joe, you've invited a third guest here this week. I like this because it's a new voice for the show. Um, Always cool to have a new guest. I love it. This is a buddy of mine. He is a local comedian here in Corpus Christi, Texas. His name is Connor Stewart. Connor, I'm so happy you're here. I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Joe. Um, he and I actually are going to be on... Uh, this is my very first like public show. You might know more about it than I do. It's going to be at uh, Pansia's yeah. on uh, June 24th. Here in Corpus Christi. Here in Corpus okay. Christi on like... They have that new kids on open the block. backyard space, and this is the same space that uh, you're going to be doing your festival yeah, July later 15. in July. Yeah, that you've talked about a little bit already. So it's uh, new kids on the block is the theme, and it's local comics that have been doing it in Corpus for less than a year. And I didn't realize. I guess I didn't realize you've been doing it for less than a year. Yeah, I'm, uh, less than a year. Almost. I'm coming up on June 29th. Will actually be a year okay. for me. Oh, you so. just right under the line. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's interesting watching someone who's been doing it longer. Because having done it for for a little while, it just fills me with nothing but insecurity. Right. <laughs> I mean, it shouldn't. But like, the weird thing with you is like, uh, you're, you're like since you're like pretty new, only three months. Yeah. Like, you've only ever seen me bomb, which is weird. And I'm all like, God, I want to do good in front of him. <laughs> I'm like, so what is that? Where you were hitting early on because you had some material that you had worked in. Now you're trying new stuff, and so it's kind of a little more hit or miss at this moment. As you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's about like, yeah, what I'm trying out is like three months old so that's pretty new okay and like uh it's, it was going well and then i took a month off yeah and then that's when he showed up uh-huh. and i've just been bombing and i'm all like ah. <laughs> but it's also and we'll get into this in after hours yeah. uh okay. but it's also like the, uh, the open mic yeah. is five minutes and it's usually newish yeah. or working yeah. it out and bombing comes with the territory yeah especially if, if you're in a room full of comics because that's where my insecurity factor just goes right up yeah. way high you know. Well, cool. I can't wait to hear more on After Hours. And for those who, who aren't familiar already, that's our Patreon mm-hmm. subscriber-only bonus episode that we do each week. We you know, sit around and talk about a range of things. We, we get away from beer and movies sometimes, but sometimes they come back into the mix, too. So uh, you know, if, if you're interested in that, certainly go to patreon.com. Slash beer and a movie podcast. There you go. All right. um, well, let's get beer in our glasses. Please. Because it feels like we've gotten into this episode way too far without really getting any liquid into our glasses. And so today we have another really hard to find kind of, uh, we just know a guy who knows a guy. Well, who we know is Daniel Benavides, right. <laughs> patron saint, along with Nick Cage. I feel like Daniel's like our second patron saint here, um, who, who happened to slip us this bottle just recently of uh, an older vintage. This is a 2021 uh, beer from Bottle Logic, and apparently they brewed this in partnership with Voodoo Brewing. And this is depreciophobia. Depreciophobia? Mm. I don't know. I, I should have probably looked that up. Because um, I think depreciate. That's where my, my head goes with the... But um, this is a double mash stout. They're describing it as a double mash imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels for two years. Um, they put this... These are Heaven Hill bourbon barrels. Now that I do know of Heaven Hill bourbon, and that's a higher end bourbon mm-hmm. as... 
Daniel could regale us with stories oh, of. Oh my god! <laughs> and he probably will if you're if you get on the Discord. I'm sure Daniel is our like if you're listening to this episode when it comes out, Daniel's probably posting the links as we speak. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Um, very excited to try this. Bottle Logic is known for their ability to do these sort of big, hefty imperial stouts. Maybe I should have given this to Joe, but I'm cracking it open. And then I'll hand it around. Thank you, Joe. Start pouring this out. And it's thirteen point six one. Did you mention? E, that hadn't gotten there yet, but thank you. Oh that, that's God, important that. to say. Yeah, that is motor Jesus. oil, right? Um, wow. It, th- their uh, their advertising copy is suggesting that you swirl the glass to awaken aromas of chocolate, leather, and brittle autumn leaves. We're recording this on a Sunday afternoon <laughs> after you were out for a pretty wild Saturday night. I'll talk about that in after hours. <laughs> but I told Connor, "Don't worry, man. We just split the beers. It's not going to be too much. Uh, th- this is going to get us there." Okay. <laughs> Well, it, we need something with a lot of uh, oomph to it because mm. I think you know the first film that we're doing this week has a lot of oomph. Wow! <laughs> oh man, that's a lot, man. You went in for your first sip, and that's I, a lot. I feel like you were just like, I don't know. Before this, you had never actually tasted beer. And that's this a is lot. Like the moment. Where... <laughs> okay, so on this bottle, and we'll post pictures of the bottle Ooh, on our. Yeah, oh my God. it's alcohol, man. That is Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> On the bottle, we'll post the bottle art on all of our social media, is some uh, skulls and crossbones and what, I don't know, something that could look like punk imagery. And I thought that might be the tie-in if there even is one. It's the fear of curses. I've just looked up what the term means. Okay. So I knew phobia was a fear. So the fear of curses. Sure. Well, maybe you're cursed with the death of someone close to you in your family that then launches you that into becomes a, a canon event. career yeah. in crime fightery, especially if you've been bitten by some version of a radioactive spider. So you know what we're doing. It's Spider-Man across the multiverse. This is the sequel to Spider-Verse. And this is the sequel to Into the Spider-Verse, which came out a few years ago and just, I mean, wowed almost everyone that saw it. Many people said this is like the favorite or the best comic book movie ever made, which is interesting because it's an animated film in the world now of the MCU and now the DCU. So, you know, it was a kind of an interesting variation. And the other interesting variation we all remember is that rather than focusing on Peter Parker as the main antagonist, which we all, the protagonist, which we always do, it's Miles Morales, who is a, a young boy. We see the origin story. He does get bitten by the, st- the spider. But unlike all of the other until recently, Spider-Man's, it's happening in multiple worlds, and that means that there are multiple Peter Parkers or variations of the Spider-Man figure across the universe. And in that first film, we see five or six congregate right. to help him out. Spider-Gwen and uh, Spider-Pig. Uh, Peter Porker. Yeah, and Peter Porker. Uh, a, a noir, Spider-Man noir, played yeah. by patron saint of the podcast, uh, Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. voiced by... Um, and then the anime girl... And um, so we're spoilers. This movie just is going to happen that way. So now the film opens with uh, Gwen. So at the end of the first film, of course, all of the other um, Peter Parkers or Spider-Persons are now back in their appropriate Spider-Verses. And Miles Morales is going to become Spider-Man fully without knowing if he'll he'll ever see these people again. We open with uh, 
Gwen Stacy, who from the first film, and we begin to see a little bit more of her backstory. I saw this with my daughter. She had seen it the day or two days before and said, Dad, before I leave for the summer, we've got to go see this movie together. And thank God, that was such a beautiful experience, which I'll probably get into. But Gwen opens up the idea that um, and she thinks about Miles and she, you know, I miss Miles. And then we get back to Miles and we learn that the Spider-Verse Everything that we knew about it for the first film is even more expansive than that. And in fact, there is a character, Spider-Man 2099, I have issue number one at home. Oh, it, I was going to ask you if that I, had I, been when you were still collecting, because that was like early 90s. Yeah, you did that I was still line? collecting early 90s. And I whispered to my daughter, that's, 20, that's 2099. She goes, Shh, you're right, be quiet. And um, But he is kind of in control of keeping the Spider-Verse clean in order self-appointedly so right? yes that's right yeah. with technology that he has developed to do so but we see the vastness of the spider-verse there are hundreds maybe thousands yeah. of different spider people and there's a some some climactic battles where they're all after miles and then some of the break off other folks that are seeing that this technology that spider-man 2099 is using may not it, what if well hold on my, does can't Miles go back and save his father, who it turns out is going to be his Uncle Ben in the origin story of him? Mm. So, did I do a good job synopsizing? This movie is vast. It is. Well, I don't want to talk anymore. Yeah, I think you did a good job. It's a, it's a tough film to synopsize. I think when you get into those multiverse situations, mm -hmm. it's just begging for that kind of confusion. Like, mm. okay, are we talking about the Spider Man in this way? There, it's Spider Person, Spider. You know. Um, so, and this film, I think, gets even a little more complex with how do these different parallel universes or Spider-Verses relate to one another and what happens when part of one crosses over to the other. That's kind of a key right. part of this one is that something was breached where a certain event that should have taken place doesn't isn't maybe going to get to take place in this one universe. Which will, what was the terminology that 2099 uses? Uh, Canon event. Ca yeah. Canon yeah. event. It yeah. does not occur. I also failed to mention that there is a villain in the film, Spot, played by, voiced <laughs> Jason by Jason Schwartzman. Yeah. Who I recognized immediately. I hadn't oh, sure. really looked up, but he has a very, I realized he has a very distinctive yeah, he, voice. I and, knew it right away. And all the voice actors do an amazing job. So Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, Connor, were you a fan of Into the Spider-Verse, the first one? Yeah, I was a, I was a huge fan of the, uh, the first movie. Okay. And Spider-Man in general, or, or oh, yeah, this, this I'd say he's probably my... Favorite superhero. Okay, Ditto. so you and Joe were kind of like yeah. in, in Spider Man's my man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was wowed by the the first one. I, I went in with kind of low expectations, and you know we've talked openly on the podcast about how I think you know Joe and I, and, and to a certain extent our former co-host Carlos, and some of our other other guests over the like how we feel a little bit of superhero fatigue. It's obviously gotten a to be such a huge part of mainstream films or, you know, like sort of those big releases that are coming out that I can feel a little tired. I, I've thought the first one kind of came at a perfect time for me where I was starting to feel that energy dip and I was like, oh, I don't know if I really, but went kind of on the basis of, oh, this seems like it's a little more pitched towards family audience as opposed to that kind of more general adult audience. My kids will like it. You know, they were a little bit younger even then. And I came out thinking like, wow, that was actually one of the headier, uh, you know, films in terms of all the things it was trying to do, the pacing of it, the the sort of um, integration of various kind of musical elements to it that 
I thought went beyond what I had seen being done even in, you know, the MCU, which got obviously quite elaborate and complicated in its different intersecting storylines and all that. But I was really impressed. And so I was excited to hear that they were going to be doing a second one. And I think, you know, the headline here is they didn't fuck too much with the formula. They, they pretty much gave us, I think, an extension of what we saw before. What you were saying, Joe, is they, they find a way to kind of expand that. They throw in like, oh, no, there are even more parallel spider people, spider entities, whatever you want to call them, because some of them are not human, I guess. Um, you know, the, these spider things that have been, in fact, have been impacted by these bites all across these universes. And there's actually this kind of collective action they're undertaking. And lo and behold, all that action is geared towards Miles, right? Like the spider man who we know the best from that first film and who we're sort of most closely bonded to is actually the aberration that they're all kind of after clever twist i think when you think about how do we expand this well let's make that character we already love and kind of uh, the audience has identification with and let's put them under the gun because all these other spider people are being told he's the problem we need to figure out how to fix this Oh yeah, I agree. The, uh, <laughs> well, the like uh, one thought, one thing I thought that was interesting about the movie is that you know Miles, like he just wants someone to talk to yeah. about being Spider-Man, and he's always he's searching for someone and trying to connect, and then he thinks he finds it with these uh, with all these Spider-Men, yeah, and then they're all like, oh, you know. We're gonna have to kick you out. Yeah, you know? we <laughs> like you and all, but we kind of need to make sure you don't actually get to do any saving of it. Like you need to have this loss. This needs yeah. to happen. Yeah, um, it's it's a weird kind of thing there, and, it, and I think that was pretty well done because as the film began, you know, with Gwen coming back, I guess we see Gwen getting brought into the collective. That's kind of the the prologue to this film, right? We have this little sequence that Joe kind of referenced where we see, see her meeting up with 2099 and who, and what's the other female spider? Uh, the one on the motorcycle? Yeah. The uh, badass mama uh, Spider-Man? No, it should okay. be. I can't remember. I'll look it up while we talk. Yeah. So those two kind of come and help her out in a situation in her particular universe, but that sort of draws her into this. We know that. We know when she goes to meet Miles that obviously, you know, her and Miles are the two that had connected the most and that he's kind of pining at. There's obviously a little romantic kind of interest there, too. They've both gotten a little older, so it's even more maybe a potentially serious thing. I thought they did a really nice job kind of laying that out and creating some stakes in it that I could believe that when the... I'm calling it a twist, and it's not, I mean, but it, but when that plot point comes where it becomes clear, like, no, they're actually, the thing that they're sort of most worried about in this whole, like, multiverse situation is that this thing centered around Miles, how he got bitten was a problem, that it was actually a spider not destined for him, it was a spider destined for somebody else, um, in that other, what, 42 was that earth 42 or yeah, something it was earth 42, yeah. yeah um you know and i think that's so clever because then it, it helps unlock because there was part of me that wasn't I'm like why is she kind of so standoffish and why is she not but it made perfect sense when you realize oh she's kind of trying to shield and protect him as much as she can from this huge collective spider organization that's coming in. but while she's there to investigate spot which right. is going to be a big problem for all of the spider people well, potentially, especially if they can't keep him. And I mean, I think initially her mission was keep Spot there in that universe so that he can play out and kill the um, the chief you know, or the captain, right? It has to be the captain. Um, have that death happen in the way that it's supposed to unfold in that universe to make sure that everything kind of goes as closely as possible from then on to how things should unfold. Isa Ray stars as Jessica Drew, popularly known as Spider-Woman. Okay, there we go. 
and yeah. she was great. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. and I mean, come on, the cameo list of voices in this movie. From... Well, not to mention Donald Glover showing up in live action. Yeah, <laughs> I was not expecting Donald Glover in a cage. That was not in my uh, my bingo card. For, no, for, uh, into the for uh, across the Spider Verse. Uh, you've got Iser. I I'm sorry, Oscar Oscar Isaac. Uh huh. This beer is working. <laughs> Brian Tyree Henry, uh, yeah. J.K. Simmons back as J. Jonah yes. Jameson, Ziggy Marley. And some different versions, too. You get you get multiple universes where you hear the J.K. Simmons voice mm-hmm. coming, yeah. Rachel Dratch. I mean, uh, uh, yes. Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, let's talk, please, about Spider-Punk. Because you tell, tell me. What, what's your take? Yeah. So, this... This is a, this is a perfect movie, David. This movie really? is perfect. I put it right up there with Rushmore. I could have even make a longer <laughs> list. It is a little long, so maybe I'm you know, but but I don't know what I'm going to take out of it. Uh-huh. And what this is is unfettered art. And what this is is it makes us remember that live action films that deal with set design and artistic direction tend to be the ones that we applaud. Wes Anderson's film is coming up, uh, mm-hmm. Asteroid City. He's very well known for that. Some people are fatigued by that. I am not. But just because it's live action doesn't mean it can't be visually stunning and unique. Yeah. This film is stunning and unique in our world, but then we've got a thousand other worlds where when you enter those worlds or when those spider people are enter into a different world, they retain their own look. And Spider-Punk is my favorite one. He is such a great character. I can't wait to see what happens in this cliffhanger at the end of the film, which I'd like to talk about in a second. But uh, Daniel Kaluuya, I mean, it is just stunning. The art of him next to the art of all of the others. This movie is a visual masterpiece, and I cried during it, and I'll talk about that too. (laughs) Yeah, I like like Spider-Punk a lot. It's just uh, his accent was very thick, so I was like, every other word, I was like, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he was cool. He was cool. Yeah. I think what you're getting there, Joe, with the, I, I agree. The, vo- the voice performance is great. Um, but I do think you're right. The visual style of the film is a huge point of attraction for me. Um, I mean, it, it's interesting. Lego I, Spider-Man world for a yeah, brief that, second. That was fun. That was fun. Um, I, I think there is that, you know, we're teetering here, right? Because I, I've talked about, again, I'm not sure how I feel about what's being cranked out in the MCU these days. I've been kind of stepping back from it. Watching this one, I enjoyed it, but there's that part of me that's like, how much further can we go with these multiverse stories? What helped me to get over that with this viewing experience, I think, is the visual style of it, the animation, the way it's like constantly changing. I mean, even when we're in kind of relatively subdued scenes, and I think they do a pretty good job with the pacing of this film where we get those kind of like, building action sequences and then it comes down and it gives us a little lull Mm -hmm. but even in those lulls visually there's always stuff going on where you have different animation styles kind of coming into you know contact with one another within the same frame and like you said like certain characters that tend to look a certain way that sets them apart from the rest of the the group and in various circumstances um and that's a lot of fun to look at I do think, like you've already gestured to, Joe, that it, maybe it could have used a little bit of editing. And I think, I can't call this a perfect film, if only because... You're not right all the time, David. If okay. only because I'm going to be wrong some of the time. And, and if only because it's so clearly not a film unto itself, right? It is a film that is setting us up for the next film. I mean, we end in a very awesome. pregnant pause. <laughs> 
awesome. <laughs> I don't know how I feel awesome. about that. And I went with so I went with four younger people, right? My daughters and a couple of their friends brought them. We went to the movie theater. And they all enjoyed it, but they all it was it felt kind of robbed at the end. Oh God, where no! They're, where they're I like, applauded. Oh. I clapped. Like I couldn't control myself when it because I looked at my watch when there was probably twenty minutes left, and I thought they can wrap. I didn't realize. <laughs> I didn't realize that we were. Uh, this is part two of a three thing. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So I because I spoiler freed this thing big right. big time. I don't even think I watched the trailer. Um, <clears throat> And on the way to the thing, I said, this is what I think is going to happen. Don't say anything to my daughter who had seen it already. They're going to bring back the five, six folks that we fell in love with from the last film, but there's going to be even more. So I'm not saying a thing. And I realized during those extended um, scenes in the uh, uh, central 2099 world where all of the spider people congregate that we hadn't seen Spider-Man Wah, we hadn't seen our anime friend, we hadn't seen... And then... I'm looking at my watch. Spot is more powerful than ever. Right. Miles is being pursued by every single other spider being. <laughs> I said, okay, I think they can wrap this up. I th- 20 minutes left? I think they can do this. And then all of a sudden, you see that final shot of Gwen has gone off to get a posse together to fight off um, 2099's yeah. kind of dastardly scheme to keep Miles from being himself. Right. And it's our buddies from the first movie and plus Spider-Punk, plus the ones that we love the most from this film. And it said, did it say to be continued? Yeah, to be continued. And I just, I, I clapped loud and said, ha! Bravissimo! Because <laughs> there's another one coming and I will be there opening night. And I don't uh, know if we'll talk about it here on the show or not. I don't see, I have I have a little of the opposite uh, reaction. David, like, you have no soul. You have no, uh, oh. it's It's that part of me that just, I don't, I don't want films always to pull me into these narrative universes. Like, I, I like it when it's more on my terms. Like, okay, I'm going to dip in when I feel like, but here you're putting me on the hook. Like, now I have this... Loved it. ...heavy investment. I'm going to have to see the uh, God, Beyond the beyond the Spider-Verse when that comes, I guess, in March, mm-hmm. right? That's March of next year. So we don't have to wait quite a year. They produce them in tandem. I mean, yeah. it would, I, I think they're doing it right but there's still that part of me, especially within the superhero realm, that feels like I just don't want to be hooked into these things that obligate me to see that next film and that next film, and that I want to go and see when I choose. Yeah, like uh, when it, when it was ending, uh, I was I was starting to feel the runtime, but then when it started to set up the cliffhanger, I was like, oh well, I could go for another hour. You know? <laughs> I mean, like, Why are you making it. me wait? Yeah, yeah, I was like, damn. But yeah, it was really good, and uh, Spider Gwen, like. Uh, you know, she's getting them bring the bring the band back together, and mm-hmm. yeah, it you feels love to like see that. It. Love to see it. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a cool moment. I'll agree, but but again, a cool and somewhat impotent moment where you get it and it's like, wait, oh, I got uh, exactly, <laughs> and and now I'm gonna have buy to, the ticket. Now, now I'm gonna have to go ice down for a year <laughs> and just like w- wait until I can. Right? I mean, isn't this like no. cinematic blue balls? I they should have put the ticket link on the screen or a QR code. I would have bought it right then. Well, yeah, right, oh. right. Yeah, well, and I get it. This is so. This is still, I think, probably. I mean, I felt this way with Into the Spider Verse. I, th- I think this is like one of the best, one of the best realizations of Spider Man or any like the superheroes. I like the freneticism of it. I like that it it captures that energy in a way that I think. Um, s- very few of the other films have you know what i mean even the films like obviously the mcu is very much about multiversing these days and 
none of those films do it in as exciting or as visually appealing a way the last, as, as a the, Spider-Man freak. Yeah. Right. The la- I know you really liked uh, the wh- one No Way Home. Toby Maguire. No, I didn't like the movie. I liked the three Spider-Men oh. on the screen together. And when Toby Maguire, and we get some glimpses in this one of those. Yes, spi- yeah. We, did we see all of them? We definitely saw the Andrew Garfield. I remember that. We saw Toby Maguire in like a small frame, right? And, yeah, when he's showing a visual representation right. of the universe. Yeah, and there, there's a Spider-Man. There's a Spider-Man. There's a Spider-Man. And one of those and did was we see Toby a Tom Maguire. Holland? There was no Tom Holland. Yeah, there was yeah. not. There was no Tom Holland. Is, they, is they, that an ownership thing? Sony versus this Sony. versus that? No, I just think they didn't want to get people confused. Like, oh look, it's. Tom yeah, Holland. it's like we can reference the yeah, far reference past, it. but we're not gonna bring in the current yeah. MCU but iteration. They did. Uh, they did mention Tom Holland and Doctor Strange. Oh, that, the, yes, the they did yeah, mention the events, that. Just the right. events. Yeah. Like, he does exist. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry, everybody. I mean, that's the thing. Like at some point, right? Is it, does this just like do these like grow in? Are we gonna have the film that like fully intertwines the MCU stuff if, with if, the? If you're a Marvel fan from the books then there are so many uh, crossover stories th- that have well, not, now that that have have not been told. Well, now that you have the multiverse concept in both, it's so easy to just say, well, yeah, this is, yeah. these are events that happened in this multiverse. Right, and again, I'm not rushing out to the MCU stuff. I mean, they, they've begun to announce the next Did you few. ever see Guardians 3? No. No, me No, either. I told you. And, I heard, and people tell me it's like fantastic. I cried. But, I yeah. Cried. yeah it, it's pretty good. Yeah, is it? <laughs> so well, like, tell us. I mean, what... Well, it's very emotional because you know it's their last ride together, mm-hmm. and like I, mean, I don't want to spoil anything. Or we can, you, you it's can been say out for as a few much weeks. or as little as you would like. Sure. Okay, we're so gonna like, th- anybody who really cares about Guardians three and hasn't seen it already, you can turn off this part of the podcast. Just, Jump ahead five minutes. There you go. I guess like it's really like a maybe like a character study on uh, Rocket Raccoon. That's and what it, I heard. Yeah, yeah. and it, like it follows like his, it shows his past and like why he is the way he is, and like it shows his trauma, and like God, I was like God, and they're making me feel so much. For the CGI raccoon. Mm-hmm. And like, I never cry in movies. That's been kind of a jerk throughout. I mean, yeah, like that, yeah, that's been a the jerk. character. So, like, you're feeling, I, I think it's awesome when they can sort of pull that kind of like a character you think is like, well, he's just there, the wisecracking yeah. comic relief. And for this one, he becomes kind of the emotional center of it. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, but it's just like, he's not actually not really in the film much. Like, okay. Rocket Raccoon, it's just uh, him before he, like, it shows how he became Rocket. Okay. So, that's okay. Pedro- the most of the time. That's what he's and doing. I heard that some parents don't have a problem with, but weren't expecting some of, like, animal testing and oh, some yeah. of those themes that, that their children, they might have not. Yeah, children definitely have more. I mean, and many adults, too, who are just animal lovers mm-hmm. will have sensitivity. There's that. I, uh, there's a website it's like does the dog die i think is is the website's name so like i know people who just they that's a line they will not go see a movie if an animal's going to die in that movie and well, especially many, many animals die there you go so like they'll look that up on that website and be like no no thank you i'm i'm not doing that and i get that i mean it's it's i think we all have our sensitive points and uh, and certainly does, for does the dog die.com does yeah. the dog die yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um so saw it with my daughter uh, listeners know I'm going through quite a life change my daughter and I are team Hilliard yeah. <laughs> uh, we are best friends that kind of thing uh-huh. and um, she wanted me to see this film with her before she left for the summer and the Gwen Stacy father yeah. stuff when they reconnect oh yeah I I, 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 I it wasn't like Allergies. Uh-huh. You know, it was like not blubbering. It was somewhere in between. Yeah. Uh, uh, making a scene and people moving away from me. Right. And um, you know, just like that. That, that sometimes yeah. you get in the movie and then you squelch it down because you're a man. 
<laughs> and she's like, were you crying? And I was like, yeah, I was. Were you crying? And she said, why? I said, Savannah, if you don't get it, the single father daughter yeah. dynamic and You're them like, coming to terms yeah. with one another and right. understanding finally one. If you don't understand, she's like, no, nah, it was great. It was this movie. And then I began telling people there are pieces of art that you subjectively intersect with okay. that are yours. Yeah. And they might mean more to you than other people. Um, but, but critically and audience wise, everyone except for David seems to be loving Loving. I hey, I've, I'm, I'm just trying around. to offer a little bit of balance here because honestly, I I want people to go into this knowing, look, you're not going to be fulfilled. This is going to get you to a certain point, yeah, but it's not going to get you all the way there. That's the one thing that I would want people to know going into this that I, I don't feel like is a spoiler so much as just a word to the wise. When you walk into this thing, don't expect to come out knowing where it's going. Mm -hmm. Like they, you're only going to be halfway through your journey at the end of this thing. Who's your favorite uh, Connor the MCU character or did you do comics growing up or Well, uh I'm a big Spider-Man fan, but if I had to, like overall, I'd say Magneto. Mm. I just love his origin story. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah which good. has been covered which has been covered in the, yeah. in the first X-Men, in the X-Men First Class. But. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. I saw recently for the first time. Oh, really? Yeah, on, um, what's the station that's running MCU movies nonstop now? Uh, FX, maybe. Maybe, or Sci-Fi. Oh, no, okay. I, I, I can't remember. I, I don't have cable these days. So I don't either. I was it's Disney Plus yeah. content to me. <laughs> yeah, and this one's not available on Disney Plus. No. Because well, it's they, a Sony. Yeah, I don't even know what streaming platform it is. It's not. I had to, I had to buy it. Oh, okay. I mean, you can rent it, you to, know. To rewatch it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because we did. I said, okay, if I'm going to go see this with you, let's... I, after seeing it, it kind of made me want to go back because I rem there were certain parts where I knew like they were referencing something specifically and I thought, oh, shoot, what what happened there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but one thing with the movie, like what you were saying, oh, the MCU fatigue and all yeah. that, like I felt like they these movies, are, they're coming out at like, the right time. Yeah. Like Into the Spider-Verse came out at the right time and people were like, oh, you know, the MCU, like God, yeah. I really need something new. And then... That was new. That was new. Yeah. And now with this, it's like, oh God, Eternals. Yeah. Like... Uh, this phase that yeah. the audience has not seemed to well, connect it's, with. Well, it's not clear it's, where it's like, okay, yeah. we know the multiverse is a big deal, but where is going to be the galvanizing like Thanos-like event that's going to... Yes. And, and I haven't looked into it because I'm literally kind of done with it. Yeah. But I, it seems to be with Galactus and all, they're headed towards Secret Wars, which is maybe the most popular Marvel thing that's ever occurred. Secret Wars. Yeah, that's where um, that's where Spider-Man found his. Okay, so Galactus. I'm gonna get some of this wrong. Colossus or Galactus brings everybody, uh, all of them, to a, another world where there's a, a secret war. Okay. And that's where Spider-Man gets his um, black suit. Oh. Okay. Uh, coming back to Earth and then showing it off for the first time in number 252. Uh, amazing Spider-Man. Interesting, Joe. All right, Nerd Talk Corner yeah. done. Maybe more in After Hours, but I, I think we're ready to move on to the beer here. Agree. Um, it, so, yes. I can't wait to get Connor's impression of this beer. Yeah. This, Me is, too. this has I been mean, a baptism is, by fire. Absolutely. Like, talk about throwing kind of the heat out uh, first pitch here because... This one is just such a flavor, but I mean, it's so rich and decadent. It's one of those like big, hefty imperial stouts that uh, the Heaven Hill barrels. I'm tasting the bur the bourbon. Smell it's, it. It's yeah, you could smell it on the nose. Um, th this is just a burst of flavor in your mouth. It's overpowering. I mean, I think if you're not used to sipping on something like this, I don't know. How do you take it? 
Well, uh, I've only been 21 for like four months, so this is... Uh... <laughs> I'm glad we're legal here. <laughs> I didn't even think to card him as he walked there. <laughs> never done that before. It's uh, very, very, very strong. Well, to me, it's very strong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, and, yeah. Uh, but it does... I thought it would... Like, it smells really nice. Like, yeah. It smells like almost like a candle, maybe. There's a lot That's of... It, yeah, right. Like, a, like leather um, leather upholstery is a candle yeah. or something. It's like, <laughs> really nice. There is a... Um, this is fascinating because the bottle art has a lot of information on it. Uh, and we're, again, we're talking about the deprecophobia from Bottle Logic in conjunction with... Help me? Uh, Those, voodoo. Voodoo brewing. There it is. Yeah. It says, serve it in a tulip glass. It says, serve it at 58 degrees Fahrenheit. Which, at this point, it's probably warmed to that, what we have left in our glass. It says, store safely at 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Like, they give you all the information, but I I knew when I smelled it that we were serving it too cold, and I knew that as it warmed up, it would get more robust, and that's certainly the case. That's one of the nice things with these hefty imperial stouts is, like, you can... I, I like to start out a little bit cold with it, actually, so that you can have that kind of more muted version of the flavor and then as it warms up you start to have more and more of that sort of richness and complexity come out of it um it yeah i guess i even get a little of the uh the brittle leaves that they were talking <laughs> about there is something there's a cherry about. sweetness at the end of it which yeah. i don't know if that's attributed to the uh the bourbon barrel aging but i think what it's attributed to is that this beer exists in multiple universes you're right and different flavor elements from each one actually travel through back and forth so it's kind of one of those multiverse beers (laughs) 13.61 if if the plan holds we're gonna go way down in abv for the second half yeah we'll see how that goes so we asked ourselves if we're gonna uh if we're going to talk about a perfect animated film, <clears throat> then what is a classic animated film that we might want to pair with this? We've come up with one and we'll talk about it after the break. And we're back. We certainly are, Joe. And we knew that we needed something. If we're going to look at uh, sort of, I, I would call, like sort of a stylistically revolutionary bit of animation uh, with the continuation of the Into the Spider-Verse uh, thing that, that had started a few years ago, we knew we needed to pair it with something exciting visually in that animated realm. And we talked, we, you know, we batted around a few ideas uh, of things, but I was really happy when I threw the name of this film out and, and you got excited about it. But before we get there... Yeah. Well, like I said, we're going to ramp down the ABV a little bit. Right. Um, we don't want to freak Connor out too much. Freak me out too much. My God, that 13 point... <clears throat> what was that? 13.6? Yeah. That, coming on, that's... That's... Oof. Yeah. Oof. So float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, brewed like a pale ale, hopped like an IPA. What begins as a light-bodied pale ale becomes, with the flip of a whirlpool switch, Mm. a clean burst of citrus-forward hops lighting up your palate with a mosaic of tropical fruit flavors. We've done Independence Brewing before. We're visiting them again. This is their Power and Light Session IPA. And like I said, it's almost a third a little over a third, 5.3% ABV. Yeah, they call it a session IPA. Which, yeah, 5.3 is a little high. It's high for a session, but yeah. 
Right on the edge, right on the edge. I think hops. you can push it to 5.5 and still, yeah. They say the hops are Cascade Centennial Mosaic, Malt's American Two-Row White Wheat Oats, and the yeast is American Ale. Yeah. So what's going to do? We're going to uh, go a little lighter. And that makes sense because the movie we're about to talk about isn't as complex. It's not complex at all. <laughs> Joe, what a son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, the, look, uh, b- before we get to the movie, I'll just say uh, thank you, Kaylee, mm-hmm. who uh, brought these beers to us. The last time we recorded with her yes. um, as a guest, Kaylee Diaz, of course. She I'm will about, be back. Yeah. I'm, it's only a matter of time. Speaking of, I'll be back. Have you checked out that Arnold no, three-part documentary? I, I, the one thing I've heard from anybody is self-serving. It is very self-grandizing. Okay. Yeah. Very enjoyable. Really? Um, I'll talk about it in okay, after, right, after hours. Right. com slash beer and a movie podcast. Yeah. Um, well, anyhow, I was, I was excited when Kaylee brought that. And she said that I guess uh, her and Anthony maybe know one of the somebody who works at the brewery there. Yeah. So, that, so it's kind of cool to have a connection. And she was able to get us a few few cans of that. Um, so I was pretty happy. Well, Connor, you're juiced up. Why don't you go ahead and synopsize the film? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to need more than, I mean, like 20 minutes. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, has everybody listening dropped a tap of acid? Okay. Uh, that, we we told you to when you started the episode, right? No, I, I think it just comes with the territory. This is an okay. Acid fueled podcast. So the do. film that I threw out that we ended up seizing on here is uh, it, translated to English as Fantastic Planet, though. Uh, La Planète Sauvage uh, is, is the original French title. Uh, Divoca Planeta is the Czech, which I'm sure I'm butchering that. I have as little French as I have. I have no Czech. Um, But but this was a French-Czech co-production, an adaptation um, of an already existing property, a novel uh, called Homes en Syrie by uh, the French writer Stéphane Wool. This is a sort of sci-fi, I mean, really in its scope, epic, even though the running time here were about 70 minutes. Yeah. So it is packing a lot into that 70 minutes. But the basic idea being there is this sort of not really defined other planet, but another planet where these sort of gargantuan blue creatures called the Trogs. Humanoid. Yes. Humanoid, but blue and with like kind of... Tele- thin ears mm-hmm. I don't even know how to like so it's sort of like sea creaturey elements to them even though they walk on land and they don't yeah um, that they sort of dominate they are the dominant being the dominant species on that planet and they have these little smaller humanoid creatures that they call the ohms that are sort of looked at as wildlife on the planet um, treated as pets by some but also seen as vermin by others um, we sort of come into the film at the scale of the ohms. We see an ohm mother, a, a looking like a human woman to yeah. us, who's being pursued by these sort of unknown fingers from above. It's almost like a Monty Python sketch initially, right? Where yeah, there's yeah, this right. woman like sort of running with a baby and, she's, and then like, boop, and then <coughs> this finger just kind of slops out. We come to find out that's the trog children kind of having their cruel little game with this little critter that happens to be running around. Like ants, you know, just yes, little ants. Exactly, right. Like magnifying glass ants, that that kind of thing. Um, but ultimately what happens is we see this um, young Ohm be orphaned because the mother is tortured to death, essentially, by these children who are playing with it while it's trying to sort of rescue its baby. Um, and that human gets adopted when it's found as kind of this orphaned little, you know, baby Ohm. Uh, by by one of the trogs, uh, gets adopted, brought into the house, and we see it sort of growing up within this trog household. Like like a dog would or a cat. 
in getting the, this sort of vicariously, these lessons about Trog culture, because when the Trog child who has adopted it, you know, like it's its pet, has is learning her lessons. She has this like band that she puts on that sort of imparts these lessons to her. Well, that, you know, miraculously that this band that they have to kind of like help keep it in place and stuff it's able to sort of channel that frequency and it can start hearing those things and so so this young ohm is hearing these things um there there comes a point where the ohm decides to leave finds a whole society of other wild or feral ohms mixed with those who have escaped households where they had been domesticated before kind of living in this abandoned park that the trogs have they have their own little civilization until that comes under fire by the trogs. They decide to exterminate them all, essentially, and sort of get them out of the parks and, and start regulating them more tightly. Um, but but they, the, this, you know, one that we sort of follow the most, who gets to be called Tear and then other things, um, ends up escaping with a bunch of the others. And then kind of this whole thing unfolds where they end up on this other planet. And that, you know, so there's a lot that goes on. But the basic idea being that you have this sort of subclass of beings on this planet called the Ohms. That are human. That, that look to us very much human and yeah. speak with language and even speak the Trog language or capable of understanding Trog concepts so Trogs don't think of them that way. I found it very close to Planet of the Apes, the idea that the ape yeah. species is the dominant species and the humans, as we see ourselves, as we watch the film, are considered subclass. I could never right. kiss a human yeah. a beast, an animal. Yeah. Well, you know. Well, and here the the size the size differential, right? I said these were giant blue people, so like yeah. the, the size di differential makes the idea of like mating or partnering like impossible. It seems between those things, but there is going to be some kind of relationship. <laughs> I mean, you never know. You never, <laughs> you're right. you never Good point, know. Connor. I would not put it past. I'm sure there are some trogs like, that have some interesting. It's the director's cut. Oh my god. That's a whole other film right there. We, we definitely could see that. You're right. <laughs> but at least as this film shows us, we're not getting that. So well, the oh, one thing that I liked in the film is uh, when they uh, pick up the main ohm, uh, the little girl, the little trog, she wants to name it herself. Yeah. But her father's like, don't like humanize it. Like, yes. it's a pet. Like, don't trogonize it. Yeah, trogonize it. Like, right. don't, don't, yeah. don't try to make it one of us. It's it's a pet. And so right. Give it a name like Swifty or yeah, yeah, give it like a stupid name. for the silly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, so I kind of felt like the film was telling like uh, the way that we treat animals and how like since we're humans and it's like well, we're humans, we're, we're the smartest beings. Right. Why, why do I care about this ant that that's in my house? I'm just right. going to kill it real quick. You hit, you hit it on the head for me. I mean, the trogs, the blue giants, are the yeah. apex. Uh, creatures on this planet and humans are mice vermin that was yeah. really well said David um, I, I mean I saw it as them being human but in this world the word for human is ohm yeah and I mean this clearly is and we'll get into the animation style I'm sure but this clearly is just an allegory story of power versus the you know the power structure which we're kind of going through so much right now who is the powerful? Uh, some people would point to the 1% of the powerful and the rest of us are underlings. Yeah. And I mean, you can apply these, uh, this allegory, this metaphor to so many things. Right. Race, uh, 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 apartheid, I mean, all of it. I mean, and what happens ultimately is, is, is that the humans get access, ohms get access to through terror, the, the little boy, the baby that we see grow up into a man ultimately, 
uh, he has he gets this access to this um, this band this where where they can then learn the technology they can learn the science they can right. learn about this quote unquote superior species and then begin to use that against the superior right. species who then say holy shit not uh, these things these insignificant mice yeah. are now able to potentially kill us all well so, the, yeah 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 the, and the way that all unfolds is pretty crazy and and um and and wild i mean like th- this film has a reputation right i mean like I, I i put it out there because i had seen it years ago uh on probably dvd i can't remember exactly but it was it was uh kind of that's a a disc <laughs> <laughs> okay, you, you, okay that's yeah right it that stood out to me because it, it's you you mentioned it joe it has a very standout visual like visual style in fact i believe i saw images from this film before i ever saw the actual film i think i saw them incorporated in other things like people making like visual montages of different like strange animation and stuff that you know these blue creatures especially the trogs kind of stand out and they, and they have this very specific look to them um that you know i remember seeing it and thinking wow that is such a like mind-bending film it's like this really cool little sci-fi concept that works really well allegorically like you said joe um, and as you said, Connor, to, to sort of give us this uh, this perspective on what it's like to be have these sort of like, you know, parallel life forms existing and sort of not necessarily understanding each other and how they kind of develop along these different pathways. And so that certainly we can think about that in terms of like animals and humans, but then we can also think about it in terms of those groups within society where they have those huge power differentials where like no we're the ones who make the rules and the rest of you have to live by them until those who have to live by them actually gain enough knowledge and awareness and power to be able to push back on that and actually kind of achieve some goals um it's you know it's a fascinating kind of setup that that they have but to me you know this film as much as it is allegory and as much as it is i think making this kind of you know political statement of sorts and 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 trying to open up us as viewers to the idea that like okay well maybe you should step back and think about how this treatment you know again i think animal testing would be a perfect example like the, the idea of keeping animals in cages and and subjecting them to what, drugs what about or, nazis and jews well there you go right but it, yeah anytime <laughs> we're trying to that you know there's something to be gained in trying to take the position of the other and understand what's going on and and how they must be perceiving that and to what extent they're sort of you know being controlled and and uh, uh and pushed around by it and even even between the ohms they're all like you're you're a pet ohm you're yes. not a wild ohm like you can't like come to us like mm-hmm. he, so he's kind of, at first tier seen as like an outsider well, and the and they're all suspicious of the trog culture right they yeah. don't want to and they're like no that's evil that's from the trogs we don't want to touch that when it can be their liberation tool ultimately and, yeah and tier has to prove himself with the uh, boxes right like you like you can read the trog language like yeah. let me let me let me see that and yeah then, and then he shows it and he's like look i, I know what i'm talking about like you know I, I can help you guys yes and then and then they you know they start learning with the band at first they were hesitant because they're all like well, we don't want to be like them, you know. Yeah. But then they start to learn, and they uh, and then they overcome, which is crazy. Yeah. They overcome the trogs. Yeah. You said drop acid is a joke, but I mean, really, this is Did a I? film that. <laughs> this is a film <laughs> where I could see myself, or one might see themselves, much like heavy metal from 1981, much like yeah. the Wall from 1982. I could go on and on. 
Maybe I couldn't, so I'll stop here. But this is nineteen. This is nineteen seventy. There aren't that many. I mean, there are some psychedelic animation masterpieces. Well, this, this is, is nineteen seventy-three. Yeah. Uh, this this appeared uh, as the one of the greatest animated films. I think in the thirties, ranked in the thirties. Uh, what the, list are we talking? Rolling about? Stone. Oh, okay, list, I okay. noticed. This was a different time where animated films were doing a different thing than the mainstream animated films well, that we have th- seen for let's quite be a clear, while. There were animated films doing the thing that we mm-hmm. expect them to. I mean, there, there sure. was Disney's there Rise was to Disney, Power. There yeah. was children's animation. There were, but this was a parallel track that was going on for a while and, and <clears> still <throat> gets dipped into. And in, in fact, tell me what, what maybe we can talk what's after hours. To mind? But when I watched this on Max, it 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 uh, when it finished, it recommended I start a short animated film from 2021, I think. So just from like a year or two ago, yeah. That I ended up watching. It was like 15 minutes long. It was really good, but it was like experimental, darker animation. That's you know, like it's still being done. Watership Down leaps to mind from the late 70s. I mean, yeah. this idea that we're going to use animation in a way to not speak to children. Mm-hmm. We're going to use it as a way to to give you. Very this one, it, it actually can be like it's rated PG. Interestingly, um, it, 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 although there is oh, yeah, nudity. there is some nudity, right? I mean, like the, the the style in this culture is for women to at least bear one of their breasts, right? right? They like, have these kind like of outfits that the outfit. Yeah, yeah um, I don't have the, a problem with that. Like, but it's not it's treated sexually. It's not like turned into a point of eroticism in the film. It's it's just it's a matter of fact. It's yeah. how they live. But but, but just just, clear, just wrapping up that point. Yeah, yeah. There was a time and you're right, David, it still occurs. They're just more difficult to find, especially at the theater, of Hedwig and the Angry Inches um animated sequences in yeah. that film from however many years, twenty years ago. I don't yeah. even know now. Um, where we are going to deliver to adult sensibilities to adults. And by the way, if you did some shrooms or smoked a joint or whatever, it might even enhance the whole viewing yeah. experience. Yeah. I don't think I could handle this on acid. I don't know. too much. I agree. It, 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 but I know it is a film that has been revered since its release as something that, uh, you know, like there would be a midnight screening of and sure. people would show up under right. the influence of various hallucinogens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, there are adult themes in some of those Disney things, the Lion King and the death of the, you know, that was, yeah. that was, that was hard, you know, when I was yeah. a little bit younger and enjoying those kinds of films. Well, we still are talking whole, about a completely I mean, different thing. I, I also loved this film for like sort of imagining this whole other metaphysical dimension to yeah. the existence of these trogs that never, like, I don't know how that fits into the allegory actually I mean I, and I'd be curious if you guys thought about it at all but there is this like the the trogs aren't just advanced in terms of technology they're also advanced in terms of their like ability to connect with the spirit world essentially they do this form of meditation yeah. where they actually sort of I guess it's astral projection they're they're like sending their souls out into the ether and actually later in the film what we discover is the ohms sort of like are able to take a vessel off the planet and onto this moon of the planet that they think they're going to be able to live kind of free of the trogs and this is going to be like where they can set up a new colony this is the fantastic can... planet that is their goal right right um but when they get there they find these huge statues and that's actually the, like the repositories for where these trogs are like projecting themselves up to and coupling with these beings from other places yeah, that, like that's where they all go to 
fuck, right? Basically, That's what I was thinking. Well, they dance that, fuck. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like a very graceful dance fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hashtag dance fuck. I, I thought that that was their reproductive system. It says it ensures, like, the, I believe the narration there at least says it's translated to us because I don't know French very well. But the, um, is saying that they use it to ensure the longevity of their species, which means reproduce i believe right like that's how but it's interesting because there are definitely like there's these entities on other planets or planet that sort of meet up with them there that they don't actually cohabitate but that maybe they are like fertilizing each other like they're able to produce offspring in each other that uh, way. the one thing i thought was funny it's like you know we don't care about the ohms but once they mess up where we go to fuck it's like oh no we gotta make like we gotta make peace like we can't well that's we can't do this like, that's pretty right. that's yeah. universal right yeah. i mean like we all just want protected space to fuck in yeah, and then... <laughs> now that they're messing this up they're, they're like we gotta we gotta maybe, maybe they have some points that we need to you know like that's a great, you know that I I hadn't. That, that's a wonderful way to boil down the 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 sort of coming to a head of the conflict in this film is like basically like you know like yeah we're just gonna crush them crush them crush. Oh wait, they're messing with where we <laughs> where we fuck. All right, we're yeah. gonna have to we we have to deal with these people. We're, let's make peace. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, it's it's but it's a funny like I I love the it you know. And, and it won't seem maybe as close a connection as I as I would want it to be. But Joe, the, what I think of when I was seeing this film this time was um, Jodorowsky. Yeah. And there there is this kind of like creating this whole other set of rules that are like somewhat related to the set of rules that we live by, but just strange enough and like alien enough that it makes it unfamiliar and strange. And so it kind of gives you this weird vantage on our mating rituals and what it is that we do and like what spirituality is that I think there's a lot that you can kind of see or that I see in a film like this where yes, it seems so strange and fantastical and sort of of itself and, and, and hard for me to compare to things. And yet it offers me this lens onto all these things that I take for granted in my yeah. own. Oh, one of the, one of the things that I thought was funny was that the uh, children trogs, when they go meditate for the first time, they're just going to go fuck. Like, yeah, they're going to go to the planet. They're like, I mean, I'm assuming they're like 12 years old or something. And they're like, oh, you're going to go meditate for the first time. Yeah, it's coming of age. Yeah, yeah. coming of age. Yeah, right. It's like them. Get, yeah, exactly. Like it's their bar mitzvah. <laughs> I mean, basically, right? But yeah, it's the bar mitzvah that you get to go fuck at. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any, any, uh, it, it, it it is dated in its appearance. Um, that is not a criticism, mm -hmm. like, like a negative criticism. It is, uh, I, f I, I almost wanted to have smoked a joint. I, I think mm -hmm. that that would have kept me a little more engaged than I was. Oh, yeah. However, I would wholeheartedly, it's on Max now. Yeah. If you have that service, I would suggest. Uh, and, you know, maybe pour one of those 13.6 uh, uh, deprecophobias, if yeah. drug ain't your thing. Yeah. Alcohol is a drug. Uh, that, you know, and, and enjoy the ride of this if you never have. I had never seen this before, and I think that my film encyclopedia kind of you know, resume is more complete for having done so. I'm so glad we saw this movie. It probably even deserves a second viewing because it's very heady and it's yeah. very dense. Yeah. I, I think we, I think you're right. Like the animation style definitely puts it in the past. Um, but I think in a, in a way that's pretty singular. It's not like it looks like a lot of other things that were even being made in the 70s. 
Um, and and I think uh, th with the with the concepts that were kind of being introduced to, I think the sci-fi realm benefits sometimes. Like, well, I mean, essentially, the across the Spider Verse is sci-fi, right? I mean, like, and I think having that kind of like very unique visual style to each of these stories kind of helps make them feel like these really like you are being transported into another world. But like uh, the film, it was very like grainy, very film grainy. Yeah, so yeah. I feel like if uh, maybe it was. Maybe if they like did a 4K remaster or something. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, I noticed clean up. That, yeah. yeah, I think it. Uh, maybe if you were to show this to someone today, they'd be like, "Oh, this was made today, right?" You're like, yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, I noticed that it was a Criterion uh, release. Yeah, was as of a few years Max. ago, they picked yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I agree. I would highly recommend this to uh, anybody who's kicking around Max and looking for something fun. I think this could be a party movie. I think you could put oh, this no on in the background. Doubt. And have this, and the visuals would just be like, oh, what the heck is going on there? I've never seen this. Oh, it's Fantastic Planet. You should check it out. Yeah. At my new place. Yeah. I had friends over last night. Uh-huh. I chose my first party movie. Yeah? I'll tell you about it in After Hours. Oh. And it wasn't Fantastic Planet. I hadn't watched it yet. Okay. Could right. have been. Yeah. Interesting. Um well, thanks, guys, for going along with that one. I, I knew it was a little bit of a, a wild pitch uh, to, to, to do something this kind of out there. But I do think it is. I agree with Joe. I think it's one that in terms of, like, the history of animation, looking at things oh, yeah. that kind of went outside the box and did something, something interesting, I think it's an important one. And I think Into the Spider-Verse kind of fits into that in its own way as well. So I think, uh, you know, bringing, bringing those two realms together, a nice thing. Yeah. Do you buy, Connor, do you buy into movie lists, like when the new Sight and Sound comes out? or Rolling Stone top animated films are you oh. do you are you eager to kind of check the boxes that need to be checked when those kinds of lists come out well if uh, if I agree with the list yes but if I disagree with the list I'm like no this is completely wrong with, but if you see a few titles you know and you're like oh yeah those are solid oh, choices yeah. and then you're not familiar with the others you think oh I gotta check those oh yeah I got you like the uh, AFI yeah top 100 yeah. list yeah yeah I've been going through that recently oh nice kinda. that's, yeah. that's how we, we did yeah. that uh, as Joe was alluding to recently with the sight and sound which is like a critics poll where they, they they pull all these different critics from around the world and every 10 years they kind of tabulate to see okay what's coming to the top what's and they announced a new list last at the end of last year. I disagree with their number one pick. I mean, we did, we did four hour. Uh, like, have you seen that's it? That's right. No, no, it's four hours. I'm like, it's too intimidating. And, it, okay. is, it is on Max, though. If it, is, it is. It is. And we watched so, it. Yeah. yeah. Well, to complete the story, there were holes in Beer and a Movie's criticism, uh, discussions about some of those top 10, and we filled in all of those holes yeah. uh, six, Over the last three months, months ago, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we did Jean Dielman. Mm -hmm. The number one, as you're referring to, uh, and uh, had Pam in, who's a psychiatrist, and yeah. it was quite a conversation. Clinical psychologist. That's I'll what I meant to say. It, what did I, I say? If Pam's listening, she just knows I'm busting her balls. She, she, she's just like yeah, rolling her eyes right now. I know. That's what she's doing, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, w are we rolling our eyes to the power and light, guys? Uh, th this is from Independence out of Austin, as we said, brought to us by our great friend Kaylee Diaz. She'll be back soon. Um, it is a session IPA, 5.3%. Um, when I poured it, the the sort of aroma coming out of my glass definitely had the IPA characteristics. I was getting those hops. Mm -hmm. I was getting the... A little, little bit of dank, a little bit. A little bit, but light and sort of a, li a little citrusy, a little bit, um, even a little bit kind of floral. Yeah. Beautiful little IPA flavor um, th that I was predicting bore out for me as I started sipping on this I thought this is a really nicely done session IPA there are, go ahead oh yeah I felt like I could drink this all day I mean compared to 
the uh, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> here we are in the heat of bottle summer. logic. Yeah, uh, yeah I was like precophobia. That's a special oh. beer. It's a special occasion beer, but this is an everyday beer. Yeah, yeah. So this is more like what I re- refer to as beer. I'm like, this is like, and then was, this was the first time I'm sniffing beer, so I was like, this is this is very new. I, was, I never noticed like, it is very fruity. What well, to me, it's very fruity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always pour your beer in a glass, people. Well, it depends. I mean, you, you don't need to do that with the Mick Ultra. No. <laughs> Lone Star smells what it smells like. Yeah. But but you're right. IPAs often do uh, reward a little bit of uh, uh, olfactory contemplation that, that just, sorry. That's My sophisticated. God, I'm such a stupid user of words no, sometimes. So well. Um, well, so so it's unanimous here. We we really enjoyed so. the power and light. It seems like a unanimous episode. I think we we liked There's everything. No failure here. No, that's that's exciting when we can make that happen. Right? Connor, I was so happy that you could come. Oh, yeah, I am so glad that you invited me. When I was yeah. you invited me, I was like, I'll talk about movies. I was like, any day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's fun talking movies with you, and I'm really excited. And and we should reiterate, like, folks, there's some fun comedy stuff coming up in the Coastal Bend. Um, if you're not already following Joe on his various other Joe, do you have like another social media account that you're sure. kind of running these days? Sure, I've created a new days. thing, yeah, uh, Joe Hilliard, and uh, it's my personal, and then I've got my little, uh, I guess they call it a business page, and Connor and I met uh, on the open mic circuit, and yeah. like like he said earlier, he's been doing it a lot longer than I have, but we hit it off real easy, and... Um, well, and it's and it. I'll just say as an outsider because I'm not getting up there to do five minutes with you guys. I'm not, not yet. Not, no, that, but uh, I I love going if only to see the community around it because I do see a lot of folks supporting one another. Yeah, and th- some funny ideas <laughs> and some great laughs. I mean, especially I think uh, w- when when certain evenings unfold. I think Mesquite is the best venue right now. It's the big that show. I, that yeah, I, it's the big one. Yeah. yeah. So if anybody's like going out for the first time, I recommend try out Mesquite. But Panacea is a lot of fun just because you guys BYOB. are just, well, it's BYO and you guys are like, I feel like letting your hair down more and it's people just kind of riffing and doing stuff that they just came up with earlier that afternoon. Well, uh, for Panacea, is like the, the one thing I love about Panacea is, is like, that's where I say all my new stuff. Like I will say all my new stuff there. Yeah. And then if it doesn't land, it doesn't land because it's just in front of comics. So I'm just like, oh, well, it's okay. Yeah. They understand what I'm going through. But if I was to say new stuff at Mesquite in front of like 40 people yeah. and it gets no laughs, I'm like, damn it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it feels like a more of a loss. Yeah, it's more yeah, of a yeah, loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I screwed up, Connor. I intended on uh, making sure that people knew how to follow you on Instagram. Okay. What, 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 how, how do you we can, do that? Uh, follow me on Instagram at constu49 on Instagram. Okay. That's yeah. I post yeah. all my comedy stuff. We'll make sure we blast that out. No too, doubt. No doubt. We're promoting the episode. But uh, thanks, Connor. Please come back soon. Um, thanks, Joe. And thanks you listeners because it wouldn't be anything without you and the best thing about this whole podcast is that the conversation doesn't end with these main episodes um you can find us on all sorts of social media obviously the old school uh old crowd can go to facebook and find us there at facebook.com <laughs> slash beer and movie tx you can find us on instagram under that beer and at beer and a movie handle and you can go to our website, beerandmoviepodcast.com, for some nice curated list of our episodes, as well as a link to our T Public store where you can find various forms of merch. You can also join our chat on Discord under the name Beer and a Movie. The conversation continues. If that's something that you're ever interested in, just hit us up and, and we'll send you the invite link. Um, we'd love to have you in on that conversation. We've also mentioned that we will extend this very conversation that we had here today with Connor with a little bonus episode that we're going to record after this wraps. That'll be available to our 
Patreon subscribers only. It's our after hours bonus episode. You can sign up at patreon.com slash beer and a movie podcast. We know you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, but before you leave, won't you please rate us and leave a review? We hope you'll make it five stars so the algorithm can do what it do and put us out there as an option for more listeners. You've just experienced another mind-bendingly animated episode of Beer in a Movie. Until next time. Being Spider-Man is a sacrifice. That's the job. Hashtag dance fun. <laughs>